Social proof. People are more likely to trust a product or service if they see others using and enjoying it. And this is so true, right? Every ad, every like website, there's either reviews, there's you know, people talking about it, social influencers, you know, there's people reviewing it. I love that because even though we all know it, and a lot of people who are listening to this are business leaders, marketers, you know, maybe salespeople, um, we're like, oh, yeah, like as if that's going to work on me, but it works. Mm. It still works. I love that. Welcome to the Inbound Buzz Podcast, episode 141. My name is Tony and I'm joined by Moby Sadiq. How are you going, mate? Good, Tony. Good to be here, man. So we have an announcement? Yeah, we got a big announcement. We are announcing the launch of the They Ask You Answer conference in APAC. We're going to fly down the Marcus Sheridan, author of... Honestly, in my mind, I've said this well, like sounds biased now, but well before the impact acquired us the best marketing book on earth. So this book has been featured in Forbes, Mashable, constant listeners of the show will know Marcus. But anyway, he's flying down, we're bringing him down and we're running conference on the 31st of October, um, all day event and I'll be speaking there as well and it's going to be epic. Yeah, and we'll have a few other speakers as well that's going to share their expertise. So it's yeah, exciting. Yeah, things. yeah. I mean, the whole thing really, it's designed as to be the perfect digital marketing and sales mastery event. So I'll be talking about some sales stuff like uh, how to inc- improve your close rates, increase pipeline, things like that. Marx is going to be talking about they ask you answer. So he'll do a workshop there um, and we'll have a customer there as well, but we're going to end on a big finale and that'll be Linda, our head of content. Wow. He's going to talk about AI. I'm excited about that. I'm really excited by that one. Like I'm like, yeah, we're hosting the event, but I'm excited just to see what she's going to talk about because that yeah. stuff will be awesome. And also, if you want to get tickets, please jump to our website. There's only 200 seats available. So. Well, we've got early birds right now as well. Yep. So they will end whenever you guys listen to this. They'll end soon. But um, but yeah, absolutely. There's only 200 tickets. and yeah. Don't miss out. Get onto it. Make Buy your tickets because it's going to be exciting. And as I've been saying, if there's one event you go to this year and you're in Sydney or the APAC region, this is the one to go to. You will not be disappointed. Amazing. Okay. Um, our news buzz. Threads has launched... Is it a Twitter killer? Twitter is piss. Yeah, so as of recording, I think they had about 30 million downloads in 24 hours. Damn. So we are recording the day after it was released and it is the fastest take up of any social media platform. Now, Tony, I do think it's a little bit unfair because, and I think it's really smart by Zuckerberg and Meta because to open a Threads account, you have to have an Instagram account. So you just download the app and then it connects to your Instagram and it says, do you want to follow all your friends from Instagram on this channel? Which is really smart. They've, they've got a huge network effect. So I don't blame them for it, but it's just blowing up, man. Mm. So what what is Thread? Let's talk about this. Thread is something a bit like Twitter. Probably a little bit different, but kind of like you know, Twitter, they copied it. And you need Instagram account. And it's about like microblogging. Like, what, what's how powerful is that? Mobs, I don't. Yeah. So this is the thing. I think people are focusing about threads. I think people are going about threads the wrong way. Everyone's calling it a Twitter killer. It's not a Twitter killer. This is an and social media platform, mm. right? And I'm really excited for this for two reasons. Because on one side, for me, it signals something that we've been talking about that microblogging is not going away. Micro content is not going away. Snackable media in general is not going away. So I'm a LinkedIn creator. I create LinkedIn posts three, four times a week. And for me, it validates the fact that short form content, microblogging is not going away anywhere. Mm. Because when you look at it this way, Tony, when TikTok came out, who copied TikTok? YouTube, YouTube mm. Shorts, Instagram Reels. Instagram. You can argue that 
when shorts came out, it actually validated TikTok. Mm. It validated that format and media. It validated, you know, for marketers now, it's like, well, okay, I was going to create, um, you know, vertical video, but I'm not really so sure. But now there's three channels I could put it on. Mm. I could put on shorts, reels and TikTok. It, they, it, there's more credence. So smart people, like people with a growth mindset, are not seeing this as a oh, another platform I got to get onto. They're seeing this as another place I can syndicate content I'm already creating. Yeah, right. Because all my LinkedIn microblogging posts, I'm just going to copy and paste them. That's what I've started to do. So if yeah. you're on threads, by the way, find me, Moby Sleek, there's only one. Find me, let's fool around there. But that's the way to look at it. It's not a competitor. It's another place where you can use that disciplined muscle of creating content that if you're a brand, you should be already have created. If not, this is this is um, a power to do so. More places to put the same content. And it's a signal that micro blogging, snackable content is not going away anywhere. Yeah, so Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg is actually getting sued by Elon apparently. Yeah, what do you read about that? What what's happening there? Yeah, so apparently a lot of the employees at Twitter actually moved and you know went on to Thread to help build that platform up and they poached them or Well, I don't know. It doesn't say, but But they're working for them, right? Yeah, Elon's pissed about that and he either wants to sue them or take Zuckerberg to an MMA match. <laughs> that's the other thing that's <laughs> happening and and you and I were talking about this like what are the chances they're actually friends? Like yeah. they're in the billionaires clubs that we're not going to be in. Yeah. What are the chances they're like, you know, if it's me and you, it's like, Tony, dude, we know we'll create big hype if me and you fight. Yeah. You know what I mean? It'll be like, people think we're nerdy and geeky, but let's let's get some training and let's fight. And I'll say some shit about you. You say some shit about me. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> so I actually think like, it's like a, just a big PR, yeah. you know, thing. And Elon is the king of that. But um, but yeah, that, <laughs> but it, it's it's there's, you have a physical fight and now potentially a legal fight. Which yeah. Is interesting. But um, so think about this, right? That's great what you say, micro blogging, more content from a marketer's perspective. I love it. We're advertising, maybe more views, more attention. But do we really need more social media? Nah, groups? nah, <laughs> nah. Like like the parent in me, the the humanitarian in me. I already have like you know someday I'm much better than I used to be, but um, I sometimes I still have these zombie scrolling moments yeah so now there's like another channel to go yeah. through but that's why i think honestly tony that's why i think it's good to be a creator because if you can kind of shift a lot of that time to create yeah. and not consume then at least you're doing something productive 100%. but man you're you're spot on we do not need another platform <laughs> well that's it i'll be joining on thread pro next week you're on it as well i want to test this out and see if anyone follows me with my tweets or my threads. What, what do you call it? Threading? I guess they're threads. Yeah, yeah. They're threading threads. now? Threading, who knows? <laughs> it's early days, man. The platform is pretty basic. You can't send DMs. You can't actually... There's no edit but button. There's a, there's a few things. You can't do native video even. But like... And people are already making calls on this. It's like day two. Mm. So this thing will evolve and it doesn't hurt to just give it a play, fool around, make mistakes because now's the time to do it. Yeah, cool. Moving on, feature buzz. Seven ways to use psychology in marketing and sales. Now this gets interesting. I was really interested because in this topic, because both you and I, Tony, do this. I know you do this a lot. You do this a ton. All the ads you do, all a lot of the courses that you do, like you're big on this. So I think this is really, really interesting. Like, and I think some of this we we do already, like a lot of us already do, but it's a good reminder on some of the ways other brands do this. Mm. And, you know, because I actually don't think market, good marketers don't use psychology enough. So, mm. but yeah, let's talk Some about it. Some call it manipulation. I call it psychology. 
being smart, being effective. So, yeah, it's a big debate about There's this. a fine line between those two things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, the first one, halo effect. Um, yeah, what is it? Yeah, what's the halo effect, Tony? The halo effect is a cognitive bias where one trait influences how you feel about other unrelated traits. So, what does that mean? Like, I'm a bit of... Yeah, it's like, you know, you've got a trait and you use that like to show make the assumption to show make to make people have the assumption that because you're good in this trait you're good in something else so a common one that and look i i'm not a fan of this i don't condone this but they've shown studies on this that attractive people appear more intelligent it's easier for attractive people to appear intelligent is that why you seem so smart mate are you trying to say I'm attractive? Tony? Yes. That's so nice, man. That's the nicest thing you've ever said to me in the years that I've known you. That's the nicest thing you've ever said to me. My beard of it. No, no, no. Not at all. So, um, but yeah. But that that's essentially the bias. And it, look, it kind of makes sense in a way because, mm. you know, if you're like doing a big meeting or a presentation or a keynote, you're going to dress nice. You're going to mm. dress in an attractive manner. You're going to appear more intelligent, right? Yeah. Now, the thing is though, you have to use this one with caution because... I see this related to Simon Sinek talks about why. And we've been talking about it a lot lately at, at Red Pandas because we're trying to develop our why and articulate it. It has to be connected to your why. So, for example, Apple does it. You will buy an Apple computer. Like if Apple tomorrow came out with furniture or podcasting equipment, you'd buy it. Mm. Because the traits of innovation, the traits of thinking differently, they everyone knows that Apple will not doesn't care about being first. Many times, usually they're not first actually, Right. But when they do it, they do it right. Mm. So it's connected to their why of thinking different innovation. Now, if they try to do a dance studio or a gardening center, I mean, they could still probably figure it out, right? Yeah. But it's not going to be as easy. So an another an example that, you know, that I can give you is the anti-Apple, like Dell. Dell was just a computer company, a technology company. For them to use the halo effect was very difficult. You know, not as easy as it was for Apple. Our Red Pandas... If our why is helping businesses be better versions of themselves, we can use our halo effect in being well-known in digital marketing, HubSpot, paid media, all the things that we do to do an IT business if we wanted to. Not that we would. I'd never get into that industry. Yeah. But we could because it's related to our helping businesses be better versions of themselves. Yeah. We could do things like that, business improvement things. But you know, like, could we do a sneaker line, a clothing line? selling pot plants it'd be a lot harder yeah so you've got to be connected to your why interesting what's the next one tony i know this one yeah so talk to us about how you've used this one because i know you're big on this loss aversion so people are motivated by the fear of losing something than you know the prospect of gaining something so you know we've heard of fomo fear of missing out mm -hmm. that's very true a lot of people do not want to miss out and we do that in a lot of our ads where you know like there's limited stock limited supplies or you know 200 Time. tickets mm -hmm time don't miss out it's true i mean we do only have 200 are you tickets. saying we use the loss aversion technique in the start of this no we actually only have 200 tickets <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's the truth yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um limiting the offers or you're know, doing stuff um you can really help a campaign especially in ads we've seen it before you know like um what's it called black friday or you know like in a financial year and mm. you know that you know we see sales is there any things of caution that we should watch out for with loss aversion is there any any ways that people can get it wrong doing too much of it can affect it if you keep saying we're um you know we're running our stock we're running every mm. week people are not going to believe in that and they're going to call bs it is overdone a little bit overdone yeah 100 yeah, yeah for sure I, I think i will sort of say that 
on my side, because I do a lot of sales coaching and training, where I see it overused is um, with indecision. Hmm. So indecision is like, you know, and this happens a lot and it's happening a lot right now in 2023 with like talk of uh, recession and things like that, right? Indecision is not the same as status quo. Status quo is like, oh, look, I'm kind of happy with where it's at. Indecision is like the fear of effing up. I don't want to stuff up. I don't want to make a mistake. I don't want to be embarrassed in front of my peers, my organization. Mm. That's what indecision is. So when you use things like loss aversion, so this is not from me. This is from a book called The Jolt Effect where they analyzed 3.5 million sales calls and they found that sales reps that use loss aversion for indecision actually make the indecision worse. Yeah, right. Because for, uh, for indecision, you have to take risk off the table. When you're like limited time offer and you only have a little bit like it's this price and whatever, it actually makes people nervous. Mm. It doesn't work there. So that's that would that would be my caveat in the sales experience. Indecision use, taking risk off the table, guarantees, uh, small purchases, things like that. But I think what you said is right. It can be overdone. Yeah. Um, our third one, social proof. People are more likely to trust a product or service if they see others using and enjoying it. And this is so true, right? Every ad, every like website, there's either reviews, there's you know, people talking about it, social influences, you know, there's people reviewing it. It's you so think that's powerful. still strong? You think like still works in this day and age? Yeah, 100%. Um, we had a website where we didn't have any reviews on it and, you know, it was doing really well, right, for a client. And then they just recently added their reviews and, you know, like, you know, we did some testimonials and, you know, sales started to increase even more, like to a different, it was like adding NOS onto the, you know, sales. I love that because even though we all know it and a lot of people who are listening to this are business leaders, marketers, you know, maybe salespeople, um, we're like, oh, yeah, like as if that's going to work on me. But it works. Mm. It still works. I love that. All and right. what, what we sometimes do on uh, Facebook, you know, ads is we have an ad and we'll get as much engagements on that post as possible to build up that social proof. And then we go and, um, you know, do some conversion ads and man, that skyrockets. Fair. Yeah, little tactic. I'm just sharing it with the people. <laughs> yeah, fair. I love that. Next one. Confirmation bias. People tend to seek out information that confirms the existing beliefs or attitude. And this is interesting, Moby. I think uh, the best way to explain confirmation bias is like, aha, I knew it. So one example is people have confirmation bias. Like if you're a dog person, you're much more likely to search our dogs better than cats as pets as opposed to our cats better than dogs. We do this very, and that's the whole point of today. Like these are subconscious psychological things that we do. Mm. You're, you're trying to confirm. Now, actually, um, it's not good in one way. You know, it's kind of like, not to get too deep, but it's kind of like how people watch Fox News to confirm so right-wing, you know, views, right? Whatever, you believe what you want. I don't care. Like, yeah. you know, but, but I think in marketing, it's, it's really, really powerful. So I think, where this works really well, where I've seen you, Tony, I'd love to for you to share an example, is with confirmation bias, addressing pain points. You know, like the ads that are like, are you suffering from boom, boom, boom? Yeah. Are you a digital marketer who's struggling to balance everything? Are you struggling with a smaller budget, lower close rates, etc. If this sounds like you, go to the They Ask You Answer conference. Understand. <laughs> but, but um, but yeah, talk to me about that. Is it yep. the, the pain point side? So confirmation bias, we do, you know, from a tactic um, perspective where we, like there's a problem or, you know, whatever, we'll add that into the, um, you know, from the, in the introduction of a uh, video or something and we'll get them, you know, like, yeah, are you missing out on this or do you need this? We yeah. know they're looking for it, but it's just double confirming it. And it's very effective, you know, for um, our advertisement. But the thing that is like a double-edged uh, 
in a sword is when someone does it for like medical they want to search and go do i have this do i have that mm. the thing about that is if you're going to google google will give you those answers and say yes 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 right self-diagnosis i heard once that all that tells you is who's doing the best seo true like searching <laughs> for a diagnosis just tells you who's doing the best seo like yeah, yeah fair enough it's it also can be used on a category level too so for example you know australians are known for beef right we're known for beef um the barossa valley you know parts of australia are known for high quality wine right so like leveraging off that silicon valley is known for technology mm. now if you're a beef manufacturer in silicon valley even if that was possible you wouldn't promote that but if you were uh, a technology company you would Sil silicon valley based da, da, da. Mm. so you can use traits of a place or a location uh, to also you know um confirm positive confirmation bias yeah that's interesting um the anchoring effect so this is quite interesting people rely heavily on the first piece of information they receive when making a decision so the biggest thing that comes to mind here is restaurants high-end restaurants use the anchoring effect all the time what they will do and they've done studies on this where you go to the wine list they'll have the most expensive wines up front They'll have $600 wines, $700 wines. Then they'll have like their $200 wines and then, you know, their $30 wines. Mm. You are more likely to buy a $200 wine from there than if you go to another restaurant and the menu just has the $200 wine as the most expensive. Mm. And the reason for that is anchoring, right? Because you go there, you go with your wife and you want to treat her to a nice meal when she's not pregnant, right? That's another, <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know if we're allowed to talk about that, but, <laughs> but Tony's wife's pregnant. Um, God willing, that goes well. But you're more likely to buy the $200 wine because you're like, hmm, man, $600, oh, that's too expensive. I'm not going to buy my wife a $30 wine or my business partner a $30 wine. Mm. I'll get the $200 wine. Mm. But if you didn't have that high option, there's nothing to anchor off. Yeah. So Chris Voss in sales also talks about this with negotiation. So he says, not to get too far into it, but the Anchorman model is a negotiation tactic where say you're buying something for $100 and you only want to pay $90. You ask for 65% of 90. Now my maths really sucks right yeah. now, but whatever 65% of 90 is, whether it's like, I don't know, um, 50 bucks, yeah. you say 50 bucks. And then you make your increments smaller and smaller and smaller. You're anchoring essentially. You're anchoring so the person you're speaking to is like, oh, like they're not going to sell it for you. That's not the idea. They're not going to sell it to you for 45 bucks, but like, oh, this person's starting on a really low base. Mm. So it works in sales and marketing really well. Well, we do that a lot, don't we? When we're on holidays, going to like Bali and stuff oh, like yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Asian countries. Yeah, that, that that's anchoring in its full effect. But you had one you were telling me about your chicken story. What was that? Oh, this is funny. Like, uh, so this was me trying to teach my kids a lesson, like, because I like, not, not in a bad way, but like to have a growth mindset, not to be scared. I'm like, I was listening to Chris Voss's ebook and I said to my daughter, my daughter's like, what's that? And it's like, it's funny, my son's older, but he wasn't interested. My daughter was interested. And I'm like, oh, it's, it's a, a negotiation tactic. I'm like, you know what, sweetheart, we're going to go and buy some chickens and I'm going to use it. <laughs> and I don't know, the chicken's like 12 bucks each, right? Um, these are not eating chickens. These are chickens to hatch eggs in the backyard. <laughs> and I'm like, I want it for like, eight bucks or something and he's like mate for anything less than 50 chickens we do not negotiate oh. and i'm like oh well that didn't work but the point is that's not the point the point is just to, to yeah, play yeah. in practice but anyway but yeah, yeah the fact that we're negotiating all the time you're like yeah. anchoring yeah yeah that's what we do we just don't maybe label it but you're right we do do that goal grading effects i got confused with this at the start um but it's more about short-term goals especially on like quizzes and stuff but it's you know it relates to the zionic effect and yeah so explain it explain explain the 
goal yeah. grade. So, so we're not talking about like long-term goals, right? We're talking about um, a lot of people that start something want to finish it. And we're talking about like quizzes, right? We have, if you see an ad and there's a quiz, you want to finish the quiz. You don't want to just stop halfway and move on. Because you know? you've invested that time. You're, and the zygonic effect is very, very similar to that. So like you start something, you want to finish it. Um, you see this a lot on progress bars. So one of the recommendations we'll make to some websites is when you have like an inquiry, have a staged form. Like firstly, you have less fields. But if you're going to have a lot, have a staged form. ClickFunnels does this a lot very well, their templates. You'll fill out two, three fields. You click next and then there'll be a progress bar. It's flashing mm. and it's like you are 50% through. Yeah. So they're, they're using that psychological principle of the goal grading effect to get you to keep going because your brain wants to finish something that it started. Yeah. And we've done a lot in advertising, adding quiz and stuff. Um, even like for a long time, you know, we've seen the effect of adding a quiz, the engagement rate, the submission rates. So yeah, mm. people, yeah people are triggered to it because you get them engaged, then they're clicking through and they want to finish and then you get the you know, email list or the sale. So yeah. Yeah, a lot of this stuff people are doing already, but if you want to like be smart in front of your boss, you know, and, and tell them the psychology by, behind why you're doing it, you use that, right? It yep. justifies a lot of these things you're already doing probably or you should be doing rather. Authority bias. People are more likely to trust and follow the advice of those in positions of authority. This is why social media influencers work so well. So back in the 40s and 50s, whenever they realized... Mad Men days. Mad Men days. You're talking about Ogilvy days, right? They use this stuff a lot. They used to have doctors to promote cigarettes. Yeah. That eight out of 10 doctors prefer the Marlboro yeah. brand, right? Yeah, true. That's what it was. It was just authority. And this is why... Inf like, I know a lot of people like hate influencers because... I don't know, like they seem to be famous for whatever. But this is why, I'm sorry to say, that's why influencers will work forever until the end of time because they have some authority in something. Yeah. So it just tends to work. But um, but yeah, that's the authority bias in play. And also, if you look at some of the biggest v VSLs, video sales letters, they all have an authority or credibility um, figure in the um, video. And that's what determines the 10 to 20 to the $100 million video sales letters that we see mm. in I think a lot of brands could do this. We're speaking to a company uh, now and they do like HVACs. They do HVAC stuff and cooling and heating and things like that. And like, because I like to think of brands that are not typical. It's easy to talk about marketing strategies yeah. for Apple, right? But like even they could do it. They would have like engineers in their videos or a photo of an engineer, yeah. um, you know, talking about stuff. But I, a lot of these things, I'm sure people listening, hopefully you guys can take at least one thing you can be doing because most people aren't using these these principles. And we'll just quickly talk about the lucky last yeah, we bonus. Yeah, we got a bonus one actually. So I didn't want to have seven, but there is a bonus one um, called the mere exposure effect. So the mere exposure effect is the idea that people like things that are familiar to them. And I the only reason I'm talking about this is because I got a um, an email from um, Novel Ship. It's a sneaker brand or a sneaker marketplace, right? And the EDM was, don't be mad if you can't get Taylor Swift tickets. Okay. That was the subject. And then they proceeded to sell you on, on sneakers. And you had a really interesting thing though, because so this is that is absolutely an example of the mere exposure effect using things that are, might be familiar to people. Yeah. But you had an issue with that. I was like, which sneaker experts or enthusiasts are, you know, uh, what's her name? Uh, Taylor, Taylor Swift. Swift fans. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Sneakerheads are not into Taylor Swift. So this is where you can do principles together right like they're probably into i don't know i actually don't know i'm not a sneakerhead i like sneakers but i'm not a sneakerhead but 
um, skateboarders or something. I don't yeah. know, right? But yeah, they're not really gonna. But I, I still thought it was clever. Yeah. Because I'm not a actually I'm the a closet. Idea. I'm a closet Tay Tay fan. I'm gonna oh, be honest. You? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll shake it off any day. Of but I actually just realized. <laughs> so how you're that a thrifty fan? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, yeah. No, no. Let, let, let's let's not worry about that. Uh, but yes, um, hundred percent. I think it has to be related to something they're connected to. Hmm. But that is an example of the me okay. exposure effect in play. So that wraps it up for episode 141. Um, you can find this episode at redpandas.com.au forward slash EP141. And just remember, we have a conference coming later on in the year. Get your tickets, get on the website, book your tickets before they run out. Yeah, come see us. If you mention the show, I don't know what it is, but I promise I'll give you a gift. Let's let's say that. Honestly, Marcus Sheridan's coming. That's like that, that's more good than enough. enough. That's good enough. From America. So. 100%. Thanks, Tony. Appreciate it. And we'll see you guys again for another episode of Inbound Buzz. Thanks for listening to Inbound Buzz. Learn anything? Return the favor by spreading the word. Want to make your mark in digital? Need help with your digital strategy, inbound, and marketing automation efforts? Then visit redpandas.com.au and be sure to tune in next time for another Inbound Buzz hit.